Hello there. This is your non-British co-host, Adam St. John, with a brief message before today's episode. Something happened during the recording session in which we recorded three episodes, and for whatever reason, my microphone didn't sound as great as it normally does. Now, Ian, in his total Britishness, sounds fantastic as he always does. I, on the other hand, sound kind of distant and not as clear as I normally do. Uh, Please believe us that the problem has been solved and going forward we will be okay but for today's episode it will not we apologize and we didn't want to re-record because we enjoyed the conversation that we had and we hope that you enjoy it too thanks and enjoy this episode as chairwoman of the reception committee i welcome you with open arms is that so how late do you stay open i've sponsored your appointment because I feel you are the most able statesman in all Fredonia. Well, that covers a lot of ground. Say, you cover a lot of ground yourself. You better beat it. I hear they're going to tear you down and put up an office building where you're standing. You can leave in a taxi. If you can't get a taxi, you can leave in a huff. If that's too soon, you can leave in a minute and a huff. You know you haven't stopped talking since I came here? You must have been vaccinated with a phonograph needle. The future of Fredonia rests on you. Promise me you'll follow in the footsteps of my husband. How do you like that? I haven't been on the job five minutes and already she's making advances to me. Not that I care, but where is your husband? Why, he's dead. I'll bet he's just using that as an excuse. I was with him till the very end. (laughs) No wonder he passed away. I held him in my arms and kissed him. Oh, I see. Then it was murder. Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. He left me his entire fortune. Is that so? Can't you see what I'm trying to tell you? I love you. and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And my name is Ian Woodington. And uh, we're back live recording. I can see Ian. He is right in front of me. No, He looks uh, just as dashing. I know know you missed me. I did. I did. Uh, I did. The snow here uh, sucked. It really did. Oh, no. I'm over it. Yeah, I'm glad it's glad it's it, gone. It's mostly gone now. Yeah, we're we're yeah, it's mostly out of the way. Um, so as we always do before we discuss our main film for the podcast, we'll we'll do some recommendations. Ian, would you like to go first this week? Yeah, I would, and I'd like to start with a, a follow up of sorts. So in a previous episode, uh, you had mentioned Minding the Gap. I did. Uh, yes. Best uh, documentary nomination. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a winner by the time this goes live. We'll, yeah, uh, I hope. I, d- yeah. I doubt it, but I hope. Yeah. Um, so I watched it, and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Okay. I don't. I don't. You were very open in the fact that you said that it was the only film that made you cry. Yeah. Last year, it's the only film. Well, it's 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 your number one pick of the year, like your your best film of 2018 or your favorite film of 2018. Absolutely, my favorite. Film. So I'm I'm gonna do my best not to shit all over it. <laughs> I well, okay. So here's the deal. I really like the the. Uh, Kier, is that how you pronounce his name? I think so, the, the, yeah. the black guy? Yeah. yeah. No, he's fantastic. Love his story. I kind of wish the whole documentary had been about him because they mentioned at the end that he got sponsored by yes. some skate company. I'm far more interested in that and the, him dealing with the catharsis of leaving uh, of his dad dying and the, the last time they ever spoke was, you know, a, a fight. Whereas the other two guys don't care about them in the least, especially the Zach guy. Like... <laughs> 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I hope that he keeps descending into alcoholism and loses custody of his kid because he's a fucking prick. Well, and here's the thing is I'm not going to disagree on, on term, in terms of who he is as a person. I think that, that that's part of it. And I think that's something the documentary did so well is, you know, you start to only see his side of the story. We start to think that maybe his his baby mama is a little like she's the one who's got a, who's messed up, and then you start to see the other side of it, right? Well, that was nice. I did appreciate yeah. having both sides of the story eventually. Yeah, like he seems to take his time in coming around to telling her side of it, and maybe that was just the way in which it was filmed and the way information was revealed to him over the course of making the documentary. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to like him. Yeah. I, yeah, don't. I, yeah. yeah. Which I don't, yeah, exactly. Don't care about him. He's a piece of shit. Fuck him. And as, she, sorry, sorry. Well, as, as, and as far as Bing goes, I, I do think he has a lot of potential. I think he could go places. The problem is I, I have with him is I, I'll get really personal for a second, which I wasn't intending on doing, but I'll do it anyway. I've been in the position that he's been in. Okay. I've had to have those conversations mm-hmm. uh, with, my, with my mother and, and my father. And a potential stepfather who came into my life, uh, who didn't, my mother didn't end up marrying him uh, for the right reasons. You know, I've, I've had those conversations and I've had to go to those places. But to do it in such an exploitative way that he did is so disrespectful to his, I, like, you can, obviously his mother consented to a degree yeah. to sit down and have those conversations. But at the same time, it felt so forced. Like she, getting towards the end of those conversations, she didn't want to be there. I, no, I agree. I agree. And I... To do it in such a public way and, is... And that's... And that's it's I, a, the exploitative is the only word I could come up with. It's sure. And see, and, and I look at it as a very personal film. Yeah. No, in, of course it is. In the sense that, you know, it would, it would have been different if they just, I guess, grew up near each other. Or, or like, I don't know. I, I think the fact that they're all friends, they all yeah. know each other, and it's it's really, it's all their stories. I agree. It's, it's a rough moment where he's talking to his mom. But I also feel like... It's really genuine and earned, and I think it's a conversation that I like that we he made public what most people don't even do at all. This is something that a lot of people would never even bring up, and no. I think I, I I applaud I kind of applaud him for it. Oh, I I think it was absolutely the wrong yeah. way to go about it. Well, there you but go. But that, that, as I said, having been in that position, and now with this film having to revisit a lot of those things myself, yeah, I just I, it just felt wrong. Sure, is is the, sure. Yeah, I and that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, but yeah, it just. I don't know. If the whole documentary had been about Kier, I would have loved it. He was fantastic. I really hope this kid goes places. I, well, that, yeah, that, yeah, of that, course. That of contract course. or that sponsorship that he has, I really hope that does something for him and helps, yeah. you know, improve his quality of life. Yeah. Because he, he looks like he deserves it. I mean, I, he looks I, like a great kid. Yeah. So that's clearly not your recommendation, though. No. My recommendation is uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It, I'm, is it on your list? Is it on, uh, well, your, on your radar? It. Yeah. It, it fell down because it wasn't nominated. And not, and not, yeah, which not is such doubt, a shame. Not that I doubt it's it's good because yeah. I, I've only heard good things about it. But in terms of trying to cram in the nominees before the ceremony, which is what yeah. I like to try to do, it, it dropped because it didn't. Right. You've I'm gotta, sure I will see it. You've got to prioritize other things to keep up with the, the awards race. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be um, one of those post- yeah. Most Oscars movies, I will end up seeing. It. So I didn't, I didn't grow up with Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. I'm not, you know, from the U.S. originally, and so that's just something that wasn't 
you know, I wasn't exposed to until much later in life, and I've seen bits and pieces of shows and things like that. Uh, obviously, I mean, anybody listening to this is going to know who Mr. Rogers is and probably at least have heard of this documentary. I will go out on a limb and say right now, I mean, you know that Tom Hanks is going to be in, uh, won't you? Well, no, the uh, the film is called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I, I think. I'm not sure what it's called, but I know that he's playing Mr. Rogers. Well, let's just say that there doesn't need to be a race for best actor you know, at the end of this year, leading into next year, you may as well just give it to Tom Hanks now. You've got one of America's biggest sweethearts, one of the most beloved American icons playing another beloved American icon. I mean, it's just, Very true. it seems yep. like a no-brainer that that is just going to happen. Uh, and I'm sure they'll push it for award season as well. But Probably. the, the, the yeah. Mr. Rogers documentary, I loved how it really, it's got a lot of ground to cover in 90 minutes yeah because the show was on for so long i mean starting in the in the late 60s and running i think he ran straight through to almost the early 2000s before the final show yeah i'm not sure exactly when it went it was it wasn't i mean i knew of it and watched it occasionally yeah. but it wasn't anything i watched right. very very often but uh the the so i had no idea the sort of social issues that he was addressing at the time and not talking down to children, they talk about uh, Bobby Kennedy's assassination mm-hmm. and the way that they handled that. Like you know, he's he's very much in. How does a child react to hearing the word assassination? What does that mean? And having to address that and explain that, and it's so it's so beautiful the way in which he did it. And the other thing that that blows my mind is there was uh, they highlight an incident in which um, some African-Americans were in a pool that was like a white only pool, and the manager of the hotel came and started pouring like chlorine and other cleaning materials into the pool to try and get them out you know like toxic hazardous chemicals and so he had uh well the first big thing he did is he had uh an african-american actor playing the mailman in the series and then there was this beautiful thing where he's it's you know a hot summer day he's outside in a little paddling pool cooling off his feet and he invites this mailman to to st- put his feet in the pool as well and he does this beautiful thing where he looks at the camera as he's doing it like this is right, you know, that we shouldn't have segregation. What What is wrong with all you people and the way that you're treating segregation and you're treating our fellow our fellow man? I just, he was such a beautiful man and what he did for, uh, you know, social injustice or to, like I said, to try and explain these huge issues to children was, was fabulous. Yeah. And of course, they also highlight when he went before Congress when Nixon tried to gut uh, public access television. And that's such a, a wonderful, heartwarming, almost like cheer-worthy moment yeah. where he changes the mind of, of all those guys sitting on the uh, sitting on the inquiry there. I mean, it's such a fabulous documentary. I, actually, you called me at the end. Of, you called <laughs> me did. when I was sitting there in I the did. credits, and I was like, why do you have to call me when I'm, like, blubbering, man? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. Come on. I know, but it, it really touched me. A lot. I was so fascinated to learn about this man that I, I mean, only had a sort of passing knowledge of yeah. and everything that he did. Now, the other thing they do address, which is very interesting, and I'll, sorry, I'll wrap it up here. So they also address the way that he, every child is special, every child is new, unique, and so it's led to, they kind of blame him for this rise in snowflake mentality. Yeah. So that, they do address that, and I mean, I don't have an opinion one way or the other, but I mean, it was nice to, to kind of hear not just all the great things he did, but how some people kind of view maybe some of the negative impact that he had as well. So that was, it, it was, I say, I would say it's a fairly balanced documentary considering one, how much time 
it has to cover in in the scope of decades and then also how short it is i mean i think it's barely 95 minutes yeah so highly recommended yeah i i definitely it's something that i want to see what do you have for us this week so my recommend uh, my recommendation this week comes from a movie that we chatted about when we were talking about titanic uh that isn't in the book did you watch the abyss i did watch the abyss did you watch both cuts or did you well Ian, i've got two kids and no time i so I, I, I understand watch, I oh did... i was just out of curiosity <laughs> i i did not watch um both cuts i watched the theatrical cut mostly because it was shorter yeah. and we started it late yeah um doesn't change my recommendation and it does make me interested in, to see the, the director's cut and see what it is or what the differences are now, was I right in remembering that the kind of mega tsunamis aren't in there? They kind of, or they take a, a huge backseat to the rest of the plot. And did you feel kind of like a lack of race against the clock that I had kind of described when talking um, about the longer cut? I guess so. I must have. Because yeah. I didn't feel like it, the, the issues, I seemed, I, I remember talking, leaning over to Melissa at some at points in the movie and going, aren't they going to run out of oxygen like it seemed like they had much more time yeah to, to get everything done well you know as as the problems arose one they're kind of stuck down there they seem to have endless amounts of time when it seemed like they really they didn't initially yeah. but yeah. anyways now talk to me about the resuscitation scene oh, okay yeah so well hold on hold on so in case anybody hasn't seen it like the the basic thing is there's a there's a submarine that goes down and then a crew is sent in to basically find survivors or see if they could they can make a sense of what happened to the sub. And so you've got like the Ed Harris, is it Mary Elizabeth Nash Antonio? Yes. Is that, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you've got all them who are like the divers and they're the ones who know how to actually get down that deep into the water. And then you've got the military who are there too. Michael Bean, sort of the 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 lead guy. And what a great performance from Michael Bean. He's crazy. I, I, he I know they kind of they campaigned for him to get supporting actor, which oh, really? of course didn't happen. That, well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, but uh, anyway, so and then they and what and basically there's this other not earthly presence that comes up and is it's it's good when when it's good and it, and it's not so good when it's not. It's weird. There's a lot of stuff going on otherworldly down there, but. And that's and that's that's the, like the really terrible description of the plot. Um, but the movie is worth it if for no other reason than the resuscitation scene. But what a piece of dramatic filmmaking! It, like James Cameron has done nothing that good before or since, and when it comes to acting, it's really good. And and I I remember I was at when the movie got done. I leaned over to Melissa and I go, "If you put somebody other than Ed Harris in that role, this movie's probably awful." Yeah, and and it's not. I mean, the story the story is fine. It's it's a James Cameron story, I and mean, it just it feels like it's it's a, it's we're gonna do all this cool technical stuff, and that's really kind of where you know look at how cool this is. But Ed Harris does elevate this film to something that it, I think otherwise could have been just a meh. Yeah, you could and almost that, say it's it's a it's a B picture, but with you know the budget of an an A picture, and of course this pioneered a lot of. The CGI, you know, but this is a couple yes. of years before Terminator 2. Yeah. So this is, you know, ILM and other, you know, digital and, companies and finding... And then I, I still felt like everything looked really nice, like really well. I think it's held up. Um, And it's not just the resuscitation scene, but basically when Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Nash Antonio are in that weird small maneuver, I don't know what it's even called... Oh, they're like the the sub. Yeah, they're yeah, stuck the, the in mini like sub. the really small the mini sub. We'll call it. That's perfect. Yeah, the yeah. mini sub, and the water's coming in, and the whole conversation is like basically they have to decide that she's gonna 
she has to die so that the, because that's the only way to to get her and I the, the conversation before the water fills this the space the 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 filling the the clock tick as they're trying to get her back and then the resuscitation it's 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 yeah it's worth it just for that scene alone and of course that's got all kinds of drama behind it the fact that the film was destroyed so they had to resuit this resuscitation scene i mean you, we have what i talked about with james cameron the way that he's a 300 decibel yeah. director you know, like the way that he treats his actors is just shitty but i mean ed harris as i mentioned he said he'll never work with him again and I know a lot of other actors have shared that sentiment, but I mean, it seems like it was worth it. Yeah, because that is yeah, the I, be the the best piece of dramatic acting in any James Cameron film. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It hands down beats anything in in Titanic. It beats anything in Avatar. It's, well, God, that doesn't take much. It, it doesn't take much, but um, so that's so, yeah, so the, good. The Abyss is definitely my my recommendation. Oh, I love. I, I'm week. really happy you like you liked it. So. If you're listening to this episode, you'll see that we're about 15 minutes in. And last week's episode, the, our Deer Hunter episode, and our, also our um, Best Picture nomination discussion, that that was our longest episode to date. Yeah, we, we like, nearly hit 90 minutes. Yeah, so it's like it's basically two different conversations in one podcast. This, I can almost guarantee now, as we're recording, is going to be our shortest episode. Well, I didn't make. I mean, it's a short film. It is a short film, and the film that we're talking about this week is the Marx Brothers comedy classic *Duck Soup*, uh, directed by Leo McCary. Um, it came out in 1933, of course, starring Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zeppo. Uh, and outside of the Marx Brothers, we have uh, Margaret Dumont as Teasdale, uh, Louis Calhern as Ambassador Trentino. And Great name. Kel Torres as uh, Markel. I have something about the names that I want to mention when we actually talk about the movie, but yes, it, they are. And then, the, so Groucho is playing Rufus T. Firefly. Harpo is playing Pinky. They they weren't too creative with Chico. He was playing Chickalini. Well, those are characters that they would play in uh, yeah. in other films as well. And then uh, Zeppo was uh, Bob Roland, who was really kind of a small part. Yeah. We, we'll talk about um, <laughs> Zeppo's departure from, from acting, basically, after this movie. Uh, so uh, Leo McCary, just really quickly before we kind of launch into the film, uh, he is a director not known for working with the Marx Brothers. He's in the book a couple other times. His films Make Way for Tomorrow in 1937, The Awful Truth, which is also in 37 and is also a Criterion collection, and uh, An Affair to Remember in 1957. And then the only other Marx Brothers movie in the book is A Night at the Opera. And I will say, and I'll ask you this too, this is not only is this my first time seeing Duck Soup, it is also my first Marx Brothers film. Okay, so I, if you have the same box set that somebody lent me way, way back in the day, I saw everything that's in there. It's five. It's five movies. Yeah. It's Duck Soup, Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Coconuts, and uh, something else. Is it Horse Feathers? Yes, that is okay. what it is. Yeah. Because yep. Night at the Opera is not in that. And movie. neither is Day of the Races. Correct. Yep. Yeah. 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 So total for me, a total introduction to the Marx Brothers. It's never been something that I sought really, um, but I I found that that collection used for twenty bucks. I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick this up. No. Yep. Plenty of movies and and. From what I've heard, the Marx Brothers are kind of a classic, and you know it's sort of a good piece of film history to have if that's what you're into. Yeah, no, if you're if you're looking to build a a, a library, I would say they're uh, it's almost essential to have at least one of their films. I would, yeah, I would agree. Um, in terms of accolades, not a whole lot to talk about. Although, Ian, I will ask you, did this film 
get into the National Film Registry. Yes, in the second year Hey-o. in 1990. All right. So it's in there. Um, it currently sits at, ni- at, at number 60 on the AFI's top 100 films of all time. On the 97 list, it was 85, so it made some headway. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of headway. There's a lot of headway for a film that uh, I will kind of lead you, let you know now. I don't think should be on the list at all. Nor in the book. Nor in the book. I, I think we can call that one now. Yeah. Uh, it currently has a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 91 critic or a 94 critics, 91 audience, and I'm not surprised by that. Well, no, it's it's kind of the same. When when we looked at our Buster Keaton episode, yeah, kind of the same feeling. I think a lot of people have either nostalgia or respect for the pioneers, you know, like the guys who blazed those trails for yeah, for modern comedy. I, I want to bring this up now because uh, I think I think we're kind of around because you, you mentioned Buster Keaton, and this is I think a good thing to bring up. Ian and I have the utmost respect for, for old classic films because we have to know where we came from. The films that we love now were built upon because other films that came earlier inspired them. And I'm not saying that uh, what the Marx Brothers do isn't important and that they weren't trailblazing. I just didn't find Duck Soup to be all of that entertaining. And I'm not excited to watch more, and I will, but I'm not excited because I've read from many different, like Ebert, and other podcasts that I listen to have they basically said that Duck Soup is the best of the Marx Brothers condensed into one film. That's and I 100% disagree. Oh real? Oh great! Oh great! That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's going to lead to some wonderful discussion that we'll have later. Yeah, at the yeah at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which one I think should go in. Perfect. Instead. I'm excited. Um, so I and I I'm not going to lie. I I didn't really want to look up what people said about the movie. So I have the I have the original 1933. Uh, variety review. I don't have the whole thing, but I sure. have a, a little piece of it. Um, Joe Bigelow, writing for Variety at the time, said, uh, The story is a mythical kingdom burlesque that could easily have been written by a six-year-old with dust in his eyes. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> but it isn't so much the story as what goes with it and on within it. Uh, yeah. So I, he's essentially saying, you know, the sum is is weaker than the parts. Yeah. 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 So we've, so now we're we're kind of we're kind of in it now. Um, the very basic plot of this movie is Fredonia, this uh, make believe country or country. Yes, yeah. yeah. and we should probably bring up that there was a town uh, in New York uh, named Fredonia, only with one e though. That we're very upset with you know them using the name Fredonia, and they're like you're you're hurting the reputation of our town. To which Gra- Groucho Marx said, "Well, you should change the name of your town because it's hurting the reputation of our film," <laughs> which. He's a man, if I could go back in time and meet any kind of, like, one of those, that, that group of vaudeville guys, like, Groucho is way up there for me, Ooh, with man, with Laurel and Hardy. I don't know that I could, because I just heard that they were asses on and off screen. I, yeah. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I could stand a conversation. Well, maybe, okay, maybe not me, though. I would love to be a fly on the wall sure, yeah, okay, during yeah, their yeah. process. I just don't, like, like, I'd never, I would never want to interview them or try to have an extended conversation with them. I think it would just be, like, talking to a brick wall. Well, I, I love playing poker, but I tell you one thing. I would never play poker with Chico. <laughs> oh, my God. He, it sounded like he would just fleece anyone and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so Fredonia is is bankrupt. And they're trying to get Margaret Dumont's character, uh, who is uh, Gloria Teasdale, to give them a lot of money. And the only way that she's going to give them this money is if they make Rufus T. Firefly head of the country. And so they need the money, and then they do. And, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Louis, uh, Ambassador Trentino, 
of Sylvania, a neighboring country. Um, basically, uh, Groucho and him don't get along at all, and he basically starts a war with uh, Sylvania. And then there's also there, Trent, well, there's Pico, there's Trent, Pinky and Trentino and, hires Pinky and Ciccolini to basically be the worst spies in yes, history. I mean, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's really the movie. I mean, that that's 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 the movie. And and I mean, it ends with a kind of war, I guess. I mean, it yeah. wraps itself up so neatly and quickly that oh, like it's over, and you're like, wait, hang on, what? Yeah. It, it's over. Yeah. I mean, you're happy that it's over, but at the same time, you're like. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I guess I guess this is how we'll end the movie. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, just kind of in our intro, uh, the the names and how great the names are. Yeah. And it inst- when I heard uh, Teasdale, it reminded me of there's a playwright from not quite Shakespearean times, but just after it. His name was uh, Richard Brinsley Sheridan, and he wrote a lot of sort of classic comedies, and he wrote one in particular called the The School for Scandal, and all of the names of the characters in it are, are like that. There are the, um, the teasels, mm. the surfaces backbite. And then there's a bunch of servants like backbite, careless snake. And it's very oh, much backbite. Like, is that for a servant? That's great. Like they, the, the names are very much indicative of who the characters are going to be. Right. And so when I heard Teasdale and that's not that, you know, Margot Dumont's older. So it's not like she's like, she's, she's definitely not the Torres. Par. She's not yeah. Cal, but um, but that she is so desperate for love, like for especially for for Rufus T. Firefly's love, that the, the Teasdale just works so well for her, and the names are just so eccentric anyway that I I thought they took a little bit from that, whether intentionally or not. I thought that was interesting. Same thing with the uh, the hat bit, uh, with the um the lemonade vendor being oh, a that's... blatant homage to Waiting for Godot. Yeah. Um, which again, just being the theater nerd that I am, I was like, nah, that's nice. Well, it's also one of the best. Yeah, if you're going to steal, steal from the exactly, best. And it's yeah. also one of the best parts in the movie. It is. That poor lemonade vendor, though. Oh, he's he's fabulous. What he has he, to do. He might be the unsung hero of the movie. In, I, in a movie where I don't really have any, Yeah, it might be him. I No, I agree with you. And of course, and I remember I was watching the movie, and I'm already I'm already struggling. I'm taking notes, and I'm like, uh, I keep writing down WTF as I'm watching it. Like Those <laughs> are just all over my notes. And, and trying then, to keep up with the dialogue as well. Trying to keep up with Groucho is insane. His intro is... It's tough because you want to be in this world. And I get that it's ridiculous comedy. But you still have to be able to follow the narrative. And I, at the end, I finally just wrote, everything is a joke. And that's that's hard because how do you know where you're supposed to laugh? And, and what's you know where is your range of comedy? Where, how do I, where are the punchlines when a punchline is every five seconds well and that's that's also the interesting thing is because the the marx brothers never really gave up on their stage work and their vaudeville work even when they were at their height i mean they would go out and they would take not finished scripts but they would take scenes on the road and see how they played and then that way they could work out the timing and the beats but even to to work out where the audience is going to laugh so that you don't get laughter stepping over the next line. Yeah, but was, even with doing that, I mean, they still come so quickly. That That's what surprised me the most was, was knowing that they had those vaudeville roots and knowing what it is. When you do a comedy, you you have to know when the, when you're going to get the laugh. Yeah. And, and, and you as an actor, you can sense this because there's there's the general rise in laughter and you don't. You can't start the next line right away or the audience won't hear it. And you don't wait until they're done clapping because then it's an awkwardly long pause. You wait for that 
the la- the laughter and the clapping starts to go down and then you jump in. Yeah. And, and then you get them back up again. Exactly. Yeah. And it just seems like in the movie there's no pause. It's just like clip clip clip. I wrote down um it's one of the first back and forths with um with Teasdale. Oh, and it, it's probably some of the best dialogue. Oh yeah. Um so so this is this is Rufus T Firefly and Lady Lady Teasdale. Where is your husband? Oh, he's dead. I bet he's just using that as an excuse. I was with him till the very end. No wonder he passed away. I held him in my arms and kissed him. I see, so it was murder. And every one of those, every one of those, I, the excuse, no wonder he passed away, and oh, I see, so it was murder. Well, I, he, there's also a great little follow-up there. Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Yes. Answer the second question first. Yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't write, you're right, I didn't write that one down. That's, so, that's good. And don't get me wrong, we're sitting here and we're laughing because those yeah. are those are funny lines. I, I, nobody's going to sit here and say that the Marx Brothers weren't funny, but it's also, I, I was I had to go back and rewind it to yeah. make because I thought it was funny. I wanted to make sure I could write it all down. And the second back and forth, he has a back and forth minutes later with uh, Trentino, and it's also very funny. You know, there's there's one guy too many in this room, and I think it's you. Yeah. And at some point, I just gave up on trying to write down the quotes because I was like, this is going to get stupid. This well, is well be I, ridiculous. I went I went back after the fact and kind of found my favorite ones. I mean, I did that too, yeah. but man, it's just it's oh man, it is it's, it's so, rapid fire. It stuff. is rapid fire. It is the definition of rapid fire comedy. Well, it it kind of makes me feel like these are the the comparison I was going to draw. I mean, I know I've talked shit about Judd Apatow films in the past, but it this seems like it is you know the the great grandfather to that kind of improvisational nature that we have in film today and stuff like Knocked Up or Super Bad or that yeah. kind of improvisational I think feel, that quick-witted. The, thing, the scene that it reminds me most of is from uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, and it's when Seth Rogen and Paul Ryder playing Xbox. Yeah. And it's the, do you know how I know that you're gay? Because every, every end of that is a punchline. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one of those moments where everything's coming so quick that it's it's like okay so what is the funny part if every end to this thing is a punchline and again it's not that it's bad but it's also you have to differentiate the comedy so we know where there's like the ha 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 and then there's the oh that's like the the, the knee slapping humor and it's just it was difficult it was difficult to to get everything in this movie um i also wonder if 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 they're even cognizant of i'd like to think they are but i i I wonder if they're even cognizant of, you know, how far this type of humor has trickled down and the fact that it is, there is some, still some relevancy today, which is why I can't write off the Marx Brothers wholesale because of, you know, everything they did for modern comedy. Yeah. Oh, totally. And and I and I think the parts that I liked weren't, I mean, well, I like I did like a lot of this movie, but... I think what I appreciated were the the details that weren't the punchlines, not the written jokes, or not the not the the um are you the vocalized leading, jokes. Are you leading up to the mirror scene? That's one of them, and also during the war at the end, how Firefly's outfit yeah, all his keeps costumes changing. That's so brilliant. It's great. Yeah, and, and he, how he I think at one point he's wearing both sides of the is it is it the Revolutionary War? He's yeah. wearing uh, a red coat and a blue. Well, you don't know it's a red coat, but you can clearly see the style is different in yeah. terms of what he's wearing. I think that's fantastic. It just belongs in a better movie. Yeah. Since you mentioned it, I'll just say, yeah, the mirror scene is my favorite part of the movie. Well, and it's not even, I mean, we can't totally credit the Marx Brothers for doing it. They did it. They did it the best. Yes. But it's a Harold Lloyd. Yes, it is. Gag. And so you've got a sort of tip of the hat Mm -hmm. to him for it. Absolutely. But there, I think this is the most famous 
sort of version of it and probably one of the best ones. Yeah. I, I It's a great moment. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have that much to say about it other than it's, it's well executed. It's funny. Um, obviously, there are moments where it's not dead on, but you, you just you just sort of yeah. let that go because yeah. it's it is what it is. It's in the thirties, and it, but it is very very fun. I mean, it's still a hell of a lot of work to nail and that and get it right. Were we? I'm not sure if we were talking about this off off camera before or not, but just the idea of because that whole scene is is muted. Yes. And this idea of of was like Leo McCary off screen, like trying to give them like verbal cues of when to come out oh i think you have to be but it was but it was either way you know the fact that it is pretty much one take is mm-hmm. is lovely it's just lovely to see yeah. even if there are cues being shouted and we don't get to hear them yeah. the execution of it is still really well done i mean it's it's the most technically accomplished scene in the film other than i think i think the stuff with the lemonade vendor and the fact that we get it twice we all we get a follow-up to it as well where he's trying to outwit them and he still can't yeah i think that's great though i will say i think my favorite scene uh, I don't like the stuff that comes on either side of it because I, the songs. Why are there songs in this film? Think I have no idea. I have no. And idea. And they're terrible. Yeah. I mean, I love well, the way that she starts singing the Fredonia anthem at the end, and they just start chucking shit at her. Yeah. See, that's that's good. I, I like. I mean, I like that if we have to have the songs, at least we get to acknowledge how bad they are. Yeah. And how bad some of the singing is in this mm-hmm. film. So I mean, at the. At the at the the risk of having to have these bad moments in the film that we, we at least get it paid off, is, I'm a, somewhat okay with. But the, my my favorite scene in the film is the tr- is Chickalini's trial. That's there's a lot of great stuff. in oh, there. Oh, the dialogue in there is just fabulous. <laughs> I hope you say my favorite line in that. Is, is it true you tried to sell Fredonia's secret war code and plans? Sure, I sold the code and two pairs of pants. This is what I think is the great thing about the Marx Brothers is that this. The, there's so much subtlety in their dialogue and their sort of uh, their awareness of how we speak and how words are misheard yes. or misinterpreted. And so playing heavily on that, I mean, every line of dialogue has that kind of forethought in its mind yeah. is, is mishearing something and then having a play on words with it. Well, and that's exactly the, I, the one I thought you were going to say is that you can get 10 years in Leavenworth or 11 that, years in Twelveworth. That's that's where I was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chickalini here may, see, may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. <laughs> I implore you, send him back to his father and brothers who are waiting for him with open arms in the penitentiary. I suggest we give him 10 years in Leavenworth or 11 years in Twelveworth. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That That's Groucho, I feel like, at his height. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is probably why people... I, I think the reason why people revere this one so much is it, it is because it's uh, Groucho has 100% found his stride. Yeah. And he is just on beat every single time. Like, he doesn't flub anything. He doesn't miss a beat. He's just so wonderfully good in this. Yeah, I would have loved to have known how many takes there were yeah. some of these scenes because they just with the, with their their theater background and how they worked together for so many years and you know Groucho even said even with Margaret Dumont that she was generally considered like one of like another Mark's brother oh yeah because she was in damn near all of them exactly that there was such a rapport with them that I, I could I would imagine well and they also have the other takes they have the other level where they're they're brothers yeah I mean, they all grew up together yeah. So there's got to be an added sense of oh you know we're fam- we know each other's ticks we've lived together in close quarters like we know how to push each other's buttons <laughs> and how also to support each other yeah yeah totally which it doesn't seem like you wanted to talk about Zeppo which it doesn't seem like they did with Zeppo well here's and I I only know the little bits that I've read and from what I got to see of him in the movie but he's he's barely in this movie yeah. and um if I was if if you're a part of a 
comedic group of brothers known for being really, really funny and outlandish, and you're considered the unfunny Marx brother. Hey, how much does I'd that suck? I probably want to leave too. Yeah. Well, and Groucho wasn't very kind to him. I mean, I was reading about when, after this film, when they were trying to, the Paramount was trying to find a way to, to cut costs and cut salaries. Uh, Zeppo was, I mean, his head was right on the chopping block, and, and Groucho even said, we're twice as funny without Zeppo. Which I feel is unfair, and it'll actually bring me uh, to my recommendation of what I think should go into the book instead of ducks. I'm sorry to jump ahead. No, no, but that's I love a, it. Yeah. I love it. I horse, horse feathers. Okay. And I think horse feathers was in a previous version. I mean, I might be wrong about that. I don't, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, no, me, me either. I can't remember. But um, yeah, horse feathers is so much better than this. Yeah. It, it is genuinely one of the, you know, one of the funniest films I've ever seen. Yeah. And it moves along, again, at the same sort of brisk cl- clip that this does, but it makes a whole lot more sense. The script is is so much more refined. I mean, if you haven't seen Horse Feathers yet, uh, yeah. uh, Zeppo is attending this college with, like, one of the worst college football teams uh, in the, you know, in that sort of college division. And okay. he talks his dad, who's played by Groucho, into coming and and being like the new headmaster at the school and of course they get involved in a scheme where they get professional players to come play on their team. Oh, nice. And nice. it's got one of this one of my favorite lines in any comedies ever where Groucho is is just ripping Zeppo a new arse and he's saying to him, "I always wanted a son. Imagine my disappointment when you turned up." I Well, and it there's something about having the the straight man in in the movie. Oh no, right? you need you need that. And There's just not enough of him in Duck Soup. Exactly, exactly. And like Trentino isn't enough of one because he's 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 a schemer. He's the mustache twirler. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's, And he's the punching bag as well. Exactly. So I don't know. I, having having Groucho be the total and absolute lead of the movie and and Harpo and, and Chico being right there behind being the really funny, really bad private eyes. You don't really have that straight man character in the in the movie, yeah. and I, I think that's part of what we're missing is is there's no everyman, you know, and it's hard to even in an absurd comedy like this, you want to be able to find your way in there as an audience, and and I mean yes, yeah, sure it's funny you can just sit back and enjoy all of the punchlines, but at the end of it, I didn't sure I laughed a bunch, but I also was like I don't I don't know what I I didn't learn anything I don't I don't I, I know there was a lot of things about um hold on you're gonna hear pages turning and that's that's fine but. You know, really people trying to make a lot out of, like, consumerism and... Um... Well, while you're looking for that, I guess if you if you want a doorway into this film, it's it's the Lemonade Vendor, as we mentioned, our, our unsung hero. Sure. But there's also, again, there's not enough of him. He has two scenes. Exactly. And again, he's a bit of a punching bag. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of... And even though... Maybe this is a bad example, but it makes me think of the son in the birdcage, right? Oh, he doesn't okay, that's, any, a, that's a great he's comparison. Not, he's not funny. He's not there, but he's not there to be funny. He is there, and, and, and you know, we're, we're, he's going through these struggles, you know? How does he tell his his fiance's family, who was very conservative, that his, his parents are gay? And it's and he doesn't get the funny jokes. He's not Robin Williams or Nathan Lane. He doesn't get to be Gene Hackman in drag at the end. He's not Hank Azaria. He is there basically to help forward the plot. Well, he is, ba- he's the reason we're here, and it, he is our doorway into the yes, film. Yes, and, and Duck Soup doesn't have it. It yeah. just really doesn't. And that's... That's a fault, but it's also, I know it's not the biggest thing, but it, it, it just, it's something that was lacking. Yeah. And we should also probably talk about the, the performance of this film as well. I mean, it wasn't the hit that I know Paramount were looking for. And of course, they were struggling for money at the time, as was everybody. I mean, this film came out at the height of the Great Depression, yeah. Yeah. which it was a complete 
shock and surprise them, considering that Horse Feathers had come out the year before and been their most successful film of the year. Yeah. So trying to replicate that. And of course, some of the, the bad feelings about the film, some of the reviews, the way in which a lot of audience members and critics kind of looked at the way that they were poking fun at the sort of social economic climate and didn't find that it was very fun. They felt that it was untimely. Like sure. Duck Soup should have either came out a couple of years before or a couple of years after. Yeah. I think it has the misfortune of coming out at the wrong time for yeah. the people that saw it at the time. Obviously, we have seen that that hasn't been the case in later years and how it's become as revered as it has. Yeah. Oh, and uh, as far as, you know, a sort of social and political climate, uh, the other th- detail about this film that I love is that Mussolini took a great dislike to it. Yeah. He felt that it was a personal attack. And, of course, the comparisons with the name Mussolini and Ciccolini and things yeah. like that, and he actually banned it, which the Marsh Brothers loved. I mean, that that's great. That can only help your publicity. Oh, I mean, totally. When a film gets the controversy like that or you find out that, oh, it's not playing in my country. Yeah. That's the same reason that I sought clockwork orange out okay for the longest time because clockwork orange was actually banned in the uk until just after kubrick's death yeah which we'll get into when we do our clockwork orange episode sure yeah yeah, yeah. but i mean it's the the comparison i'm drawing is that it can only help the film and not hinder it Uh, yeah i would agree i would agree so who 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 is your unsung hero do you have one it's the lemonade Lemonade guy yeah i it's got to be him or or leo mccary interesting i I feel like it's got to be one of those two yeah um leo mccary didn't really want to do it and well, he'd already made his bones in comedy working with, you know, Laurel and Hardy yeah. and, and, and guys like that. I like, just feel like I, also kind of what I had read was that he, you know, the Marx Brothers have a reputation about them. He didn't I don't he wasn't really, you know, he didn't I don't think he was didn't really want to take that on. Oh, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Um, but but did ultimately. And and they even credit a lot of uh, stuff to Leo McCary, um, which is nice. I did read there was some something about. Some of the Marx Brothers paid an extra to go up to the screenwriters and have them have have wanted have the extra kind of badmouth the script in front of the screenwriters, not knowing that. I mean, in, under the assumption that he didn't know that they were the screenwriters, and then the screenwriters got really pissed, and then everybody started laughing because it was a whole it was a whole joke. Oh yeah, I bet that those sets were just yeah a blast to be on. How would you well, not a, bust a, bla- a rib? Well, blast, but also like you know, what at what point do I know that I'm the one being messed with? Oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of kind of tough. Well, the, yeah, I, the, my, my final thought is if we're, I don't know if we're wrapping up. I think we're, I think we're, are we wrapping up? Okay. Yeah. My final thought is that, again, I just want to give Groucho all the recognition that he deserves. It's because it seems like he was such a, a funny guy. He was just always on. Yeah. I mean, talking about the, the Fredonia thing, the town in New York, but uh, we haven't really talked about the title because yeah. Duck yeah. Soup has nothing to do with anything that happens in the film. Well, so there's, so here, you, are you going to do his quote? Yeah, his okay, quote so about how. Because let, let me just first say that there's yeah. the whole, apparently that duck soup was slang back then for something that was really easy to do. Yeah. Oh, it's duck soup. That's no problem. It, it's easy to avoid this. Yeah. Um, but then there's his quote. Which, which is, yeah. take two turkeys, one goose, four cabbages, but no duck, and mix them together. After one taste, you'll duck soup for the rest of your life. Yes. Which is great. Which is a great line. Yeah, yeah, it's ab- it absolutely. Is. And it, like I said, it just proves how quick-witted the man was, and is, you know, a talent that, I mean, I can't think of anybody who even comes close to his level of wittiness that we have amongst us now. I, I yeah, in terms of in terms of wittiness, I don't know, because I think there are other, you know, I, I think of uh, you know Jim Carrey in his heyday when it yeah. was when it was Mask, Ace Ventura, Demon Demon, like all those came out, and then he he had a really good slew of movies for a while there. 
and, and, and not in terms of their wittiness, because I have no idea how, like, as a, as a, as a comedian, how, how great he was. I know he did, he was a stand-up for a while, but just in terms of, as a performer, you can see that Jim Carrey was as eccentric and, and on point, but in terms of, like, witty both on screen and off screen, I don't know, man, I, that's, that's a tough one. I know, and I, being the huge Monty Python fan that I am, I would say that it would almost, to, to try and run circles around Groucho in his heyday, it would probably take all six of those guys, because <laughs> they are, I mean, they're, I can think of writers who I think are sure. as funny as Groucho, but as far as performers, yeah, uh, that's tough. That is. So, Ian, should this movie be in the book? And I know... You, no, well, no. I already mentioned... Okay. I don't think so, and I think if you want to keep another Marx Brothers in there, you Horse Feathers. Okay. Horse Feathers is just the hands down the better film. Well, A Night at the Opera is in the book, just so... Yeah. I'm just repeating. Well, me. there's also... I've mentioned Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, there's Which is not, right? There's, there's no... Okay. And, of course, they're in the forefront of my mind because I really want to see that, that Stan and Ollie movie that has Coogan and, and John C. Riley in it. That looks... Even the trailer kind of choked me off a little bit, if I'm honest. I'm very excited to see that. Sure. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's no, I can't, you know, I didn't, I don't have a specific movie of theirs, but I feel like it's, it's unfair to not have that duo represented in some way. Well, and that, that's interesting because that kind of leads into my, my answer, which it's, it's tough because I know that this book is indicative of film over like a century, basically, and that they're really trying to hit, films from all different places and styles and genres. And that's important because, you know, how do you help keep this kind of comedy alive if you don't know where it came from and, and everything like that. But I, I also don't know that I, I personally think it should be in the book, but I don't, I don't know enough of the Marx Brothers to say, you know, oh, I'd put this in instead. You know, I, I've seen quite a bit of Charlie Chaplin and he's got a lot in here, so I'm not worried about him. Yeah, the book is kind of skewed towards Chaplin. Yeah, and Buster Keaton's, I think, in here four times. Yeah. Um, which is which is great. So I think I'm pretty confident in saying that I, I think you'll agree with me that Horse Feather should go in when when and if you see that. Okay. And the, the coconuts is is a pretty close second. But I also it's I also feel like comedies in the book after a certain time, really start to dwindle out. And I kind of think that's unfair. You've got something modern you want to put in, don't you? Well, potentially. I well, mean, and, that, and there's nothing wrong and, with that. And nothing specifically. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think Adam McKay's comedies are really, I think they're really funny. I, I, I love Anchorman and Step Brothers. I think a lot of the early Judd Apatow, 40-Year-Old Virgin in particular, I think are very funny and could and should be in the book. Well, I think Funny People... Funny People is actually my favorite Apatow movie, which I know is a very divisive opinion. I think it's funny. It's dark. It's darker. I, I enjoyed it as a movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. I, for, I have a tentative... Yes, let's keep it in the book. Only mostly because I haven't seen anything else that they've done. And I, I, I do think, ultimately, it probably should just be one Mark Brothers movie, and I don't know what it is, because I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, if you get a chance to, to watch Horse Feathers, maybe we can do a follow-up on that. Uh, yeah, totally. I'll definitely bring... When I, when I do, I'll bring it that, up. And, the next yeah. time you're taking a look at that box set, that's the one that I would do sure. next. Yeah. Well, those are our thoughts about Duck Soup. We may have offended some of you, which uh, well, we've been known to do. Um, and if you, you agree or disagree with us, that's okay. But 
make it public. So put it on, on Facebook and on Twitter. You can always find us there at 1001 by one. Uh, if you're listening to us, you're probably listening on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. Subscribe, like, rate, review, all those good things. Let us know what we can do to keep improving the podcast uh, as we, we, we're going to keep doing this and we want to keep picking movies that you want to talk about. So until next time, uh, I'm Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week.